Welcome to you wherever you're at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. If you haven't already discovered uh, the U version of the Bible, do want to reference it. It's an absolutely free application. And uh, once you get that on your phone or device, if you open the drop-down menu in the lower right-hand corner under events, search for Arlington FM Church, there you will find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. Also, when you're in your favorite podcast player, uh, likewise, search for Arlington FM Church. There you will find all of our teaching content. Well, speaking of teaching content, uh, we are in a series called Let's Get It Started. And uh, the idea is that God is doing new things. Uh, all the time, God is wanting to introduce uh, new uh, things that grab our attention, that motivate us, that get us moving forward in our lives. And uh, he speaks uh, through the prophet Isaiah uh, to a people who uh, they were ready for something new. Uh, they were in exile. They'd been beaten down, defeated, uh, lived in Babylon for 70 years. And God raises up uh, a spokesperson by the name of Isaiah, commissions him. And uh, one of the things he gives him is this wonderful message uh, proclaimed in Isaiah 43. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Look, I'm doing a new thing. Even now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And uh, as we have recounted each week, that Isaiah uh, gives us some of the hallmarks of this new season God is wanting to introduce to us so that we can recognize it and move into it. You know, in the fall, you get out those sweaters, can't wait to put them on again. Well, uh, there are uh, uh, things that we can do uh, to ready ourselves and step in to the new seasons God is uh, opening up to us. And so Isaiah uh, spells out what these new seasons are characterized by. It's a God thing. God says, I am doing a new thing. It's a new thing. It's a departure from the same old, same old. We can hear new thoughts. Uh, we can uh, receive new, fresh direction. It, it brings new provision. Uh, God supplies what we need uh, to move forward. Uh, into the new things that he's calling us into. Uh, you know, this week I uh, rode my bike uh, through a church parking lot, and uh, I was kind of surprised to see a big old Amazon container unit sitting there, and all of these little robots uh, sitting around, uh, apparently waiting to be deployed. There must have been 20 of them, and uh, some of them were milling around the parking lot, kind of bumping into each other. Some of them were trying to get out the driveway, couple of them were along the sidewalk. This guy looked stuck. He was going back and forth because it was a big crack in front of him. You know, I kind of had the thought, that's kind of like a lot of church people, kind of aimless in their direction, wondering how to get started, how to move forward, how to go into those things that God has for us. So this series is really, it's a wake-up call. And if God is doing new things, our response should be, well, let's get it started. Let's move into what God has for us. And uh, each week, we've looked at a different question that uh, brings to light some of the things that hold us back, that keep us stuck in the old ways of doing life or responding to God. And uh, the questions were uh, in this order. Do you want to be healed? A question Jesus asked to a man who had been paralyzed for 38 years. And uh, there has to be an affirmation, yes, I would like to move into what you have for me. 
Uh, week two, we looked at this question. What do you do with your garbage? And uh, John, the beloved disciple, wrote about our sin problem. And thankfully, if we're open, if we're honest, if we'll confess it, uh, he says that God will purify us and uh, make us clean and liberate us from the sins that would hold us back. And then last week, we asked this question. Why do you? Why do we lie to ourselves? Why are we dishonest about where we're really at? And uh, we saw that King David uh, found what God really wanted most of all. He said, God, you desire truth in my inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Well, uh, here's the question today that's meant, again, to highlight those things that hold us back from the new seasons God is initiating. Uh, Here's the question. How do you measure success? Uh, How do you measure whether or not you're moving towards uh, your goals, you're achieving what you'd hope to, you're gaining what you'd like to? Uh, How do you measure success? Maybe another way to ask that question would be, what do you need to be happy? And uh, you know how you answer that question will shape uh, much of your life experience, whether or not you feel Uh, successful, whether or not you actually move towards things that bring real and lasting success in your life. Uh, Here's a thought. Do you realize that God really wants you to be successful? Uh, Maybe you don't. Uh, I happen to believe that God wants our success more than anyone else, including ourselves, in life. Uh, Love Psalm 20. Uh, Often uh, give it as a gift to married couples, but uh, listen uh, to the lean of this psalm. May the, wo- may the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. Uh, may he remember all of your sacrifices and accept your offerings. May he give you the desires of your heart and make all of your plans succeed. Uh, May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all of your requests. Uh, Hello, that sounds like success to me. And uh, no one wants that for you more than God does. You know, we've been looking at uh, the wisdom of John, the beloved disciple. Uh, He experienced the love of God through Christ in a very unusual way in a unique way, and we've been looking at, uh, in particular, some thoughts from the Gospel of John, the Epistles of John, and the Revelation of John. And uh, John records something that Jesus said that no one else recorded, but for John, it caught his attention, and he realized that this matters. This is really important, especially as we think about what makes our lives successful. Uh, Here's what John recorded from the mouth of Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10. Uh, The thief, uh, speaking of evil that is in the world, uh, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. That would be the opposite of success. But hear what Jesus said. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And so according to John, the beloved disciple, uh, Jesus came that he could bring great success uh, to each one of us, that we would have life and have it to the full. Well, uh, here's a few things that John would write about this uh, pursuit of the things that make us happy, that fill our lives, that really do count. 
uh, for a life that is successful. Uh, here's what John writes in his first epistle, chapter 2, verse 12. Uh, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. It's an interesting text. Uh, John seems to present uh, our life journey in three uh, stages, almost a progression. I write to you, children. I write to you, young men. I write to you, fathers. And uh, it's interesting as John uh, presents these three stations in life, he doesn't even put them in sequence. He writes to the children. He writes to the fathers. He writes to the young men. In fact, uh, in a few verses, he'll kind of flip the sequence again and say different things about each of them. But, but here's the point. These qualities that John highlights are attributes that all of us need to embrace regardless of what stage we're at, whether we're just beginning in our faith, whether we're midway through or we've been walking with Christ for decades. These are all attributes and experiences, truths, that we need to embrace again and again and again if we are to move into the success that God has for us. Uh, here's the first thing uh, John says, I'm, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. And I would say this, if you have not and you do not experience the forgiveness of your sins, you are not successful. Uh, I, I say that again, if you have not or you do not experience the forgiveness of your sins, you are not successful. Why is that? Well, uh, if we don't have a covering for the things that we know are flawed, for our offenses before God and people, uh, we live a life trying to manage our shame, uh, kind of like that week two message. We have to find a way to, to manage our garbage rather than having a place where we can take it, be relieved of it, uh, unload it, from it, uh, if you're a Christ follower, I would ask you this question. Do you remember when you first experienced forgiveness of sins? Uh, boy, I sure do. You know, my uh, early part of my journey with Christ, it was a real wrestling match. I didn't know whether or not I really wanted to, to believe this truth of the gospel and whether or not this was for me. And so it was like a tug of war. Uh, but I remember when I finally uh, accepted the forgiveness that Christ had for me. It was like sweet release. Uh, I remember for the first time in my life uh, feeling accepted and acceptable to God. And I was able to accept myself in a new way with all my warts, with all my brokenness, with all my inconsistencies. I knew that I was loved beyond a shadow of a doubt. And, uh, you know, if, if we don't have that, uh, we'll always miss it, and no matter how successful we are at other things, there'll always be this sense deep inside of us that something is wrong, that something's out of sorts. You know, a big deal's been made lately about uh, releasing college students from their debts, and I would imagine if you have, you know, six-figure debt, that's a really big deal. Uh, but being released from the debt of our sin it makes college debt look like lunch money. You see, the fact is, uh, an old song we used to sing, uh, I had a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. I needed someone to wash my sins away, and uh, that's the freedom 
that John is saying, look, if you want to experience success, first of all, cling to We've been forgiven and released from our sins on his account. The next thing John writes is, uh, he says, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. You know, uh, this is where success meets with life. This is where faith engages with the real battles of life. And you say, well, wait a minute, is life a battle? Well, I think most of us would say yes, it is. Uh, I remember that uh, old story about a recruit who went through boot camp and uh, they trained with uh, dummy bullets. And then he was deployed, got on a real battlefield. And as he heard bullets uh, zinging around him, blowing up rocks around him, he said, wait a minute, <laughs> they're using real bullets. Well, that's the nature of life. In case you haven't noticed it lately, uh, there are real battles going on every day. It's a battle for our own soul, a battle for our integrity, a battle to, uh, for our morality. It's a battle to make the right choices. It's a battle to uh, choose good over evil. You know, I love uh, the truth that John is alluding to. He's saying one of the points of growth in our faith journey with Christ is we begin to discover the strength to overcome evil, not in others, in ourselves. We learn how to say no to things that we know are not good for us and how to say yes to a better way. I love Psalm 18. It's a battle psalm. It's where David is exulting in the fact that God teaches him how to do warfare, how to overcome, how to fight the good fight. And listen to some of the words that David says. He says, God, with your help, I can advance through a troop and I can leap over a wall. That's pretty optimistic. Uh, he says, for who is God besides the Lord, and who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle, and my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Uh, see, uh, I happen to believe John is saying uh, look, if you want to experience success in life, uh, learn to celebrate the fact that uh, your sins have been forgiven through the finished work of Jesus Christ, and then learn uh, to appropriate his strength for the battles that you fight in life. You're not in it alone, but you are in it to learn how to win it. And then John says this, uh, I write to you children, I write to you young men, I write to you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. You know, it's been said that uh, knowledge is power. Well, certainly, knowledge of God is power. In fact, uh, Jesus, uh, again, recorded in John's gospel, he said, look, you want to know what eternal life is? Here it is. It's to know God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. Uh, this is eternal life. This is connecting with the source of life itself, and there's nothing that's more powerful, life-giving uh, in our own lives than to begin to know him who is from the beginning. You know, uh, we've often said that uh, there is within every person a God-shaped vacuum, a, a place within our spirit that's meant for the eternal God to dwell. And John says one of the marks of real success is not only that your sins have been forgiven, you're learning how to overcome evil, 
but you're growing in the knowledge of eternal God as revealed through Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, one of my early mentors, he said something once that uh, it was just an aside comment, uh, but I never forgot it and I never will. He said, in my walk with Jesus, I want my death to be just the next step toward him. Uh, you hear that again? Uh, I want my walk with Jesus. In my walk with Jesus, I want my death to be just the next step in my walk toward him. And I know that in, when he went down in a private plane crash, that was certainly his experience that uh, as he stepped into the presence of Christ, it was only for him the next step in his journey of knowing Jesus. Well, uh, John, uh, so important that we uh, get a hold of these truths that will take us to infinity and beyond. Uh, he restates them with slightly different language, but he restates them because he wants to take us to one more uh, attribute of success. Here's what he says. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. You not only have your sins forgiven, but you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now, John uh, kind of repeats himself because he wants to set us up uh, for uh, aiming at this one obstacle that will keep every one of us from entering into the new seasons that God has for us. It'll become a, a big roadblock to your ultimate success, and it's this uh, small obstacle, this barrier called the world. Uh, here's how John speaks of it. He says, do not love the world or anything that is in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. There's a, a, there's a mutual exclusion. You can't love God and love the world as well. He goes on. He says, for everything in the world, uh, the lust of our eyes, or the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And now it's important to make a point here. Uh, John is not uh, a prude uh, saying that if you're going to really honor God and walk with Christ, you need to edit all pleasure out of your life. That's not at all what John is saying, nor what the Bible teaches. In fact, the Bible teaches that God is the source of eternal pleasure. And the psalmist would declare at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So that's not what John is addressing when he talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What he's talking about is pleasure that is removed from God. It's pleasure whether or not God approves of it or not. We just want what we want. And John is saying, look, if you want to be successful in life, if you want to walk into the new seasons that God has for you, uh, one thing you've got to learn is that God wants the absolute best for you, and you can trust him. And if, uh, it's, if he doesn't want it for you, ultimately it's not good, and it's not going to bring lasting success into your life. In fact, that's where John ends. He says, look, folks, the world and its desires, pleasure removed from God, uh, is passing away. It's temporary. It's an illusion. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Uh, see, God wants you. He wants us to experience real and lasting success. But the challenge is, do we trust him enough to follow him there? 
do we believe enough that he really did come that we could have abundant life and have life to the full? Uh, you know, my wife and I watched this uh, docudrama uh, this past week uh, about those uh, 13 boys in Thailand that were stuck in a water-flooded cave. They were two miles deep in the earth with no way of getting out. And uh, as the drama unfolds, divers discover him, uh, discover these boys uh, through uh, nine caverns and little tiny passages uh, between narrow rock openings. They find them two miles deep in the earth, and there's no way of getting them out. Uh, they entertained the thought of teaching them how to scuba dive, uh, putting gear on them, but they knew that when they got in these un underground currents and these narrow passageways, uh, they'd panic. Uh, they they'd kill themselves and the divers who were trying to rescue them. Uh, so they realized the only hope they possibly had uh, was to uh, put them in full scuba gear, uh, tie their hands behind their backs, tie their feet together and sedate them, anesthetize them uh, for the uh, three hours that it would take to extract them through this series of caves. And uh, as you watch this true story unfolding, I thought, you know, what a picture uh, of those times when uh, Christ wants to rescue us uh, from all of our natural inclinations and uh, how willing are we to trust him you know, in a sense, to allow him to lead us where we wouldn't go on our own so that we can get to where we could never make it without his leadership. Uh, before we pray, uh, I also heard an interview this week with a guy named Tim Tebow. You probably heard the name before. Uh, you know, he, uh, I guess, became really famous when, as a sophomore at Florida University, won the Heisman Trophy. Next two years, he was a finalist. He had kind of a lackluster NFL career, went into sports casting, other endeavors. Uh, but just recently, uh, he was drafted again by an NFL team after being away from the sport for a few years. And uh, this was his, his moment. He thought, this is where I achieve all of my unmet dreams and success in the NFL. Well, after a few months, he was cut by the team. And uh, as he shares his own story, uh, not long on a plane traveling to another country to uh, he has a foundation where they created a series of safe houses that rescues uh, teenagers and younger children from human trafficking situations and as he was on that plane uh, he said he was mad at God uh, for uh, not allowing him to experience success in the NFL getting cut but as he thought through where he was on the way to he realized that he didn't really get cut. He wasn't suffering defeat. He was actually being catapulted into what he always wanted to do with his life, uh, to help those who are in desperate situations and to bring light and hope. And I thought that was such a great revelation of what we're talking about. How do you measure success and realizing that God wants things for our lives more than we do, the things that are healthy and bring wholeness to us, in fact, Psalm 37 uh, makes this promise. It says, uh, delight yourself in the Lord, uh, trust in him, commit your way to him, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you so much for the great love that you have for every single one of us. I uh, thank you for the new seasons that you long to bring us into, uh, seasons that are filled with new direction and provision, and new experiences of your love, your strength, your victory, 
And uh, I would pray right now, uh, maybe if you're hearing this message, you realize, yeah, you know, uh, I need the forgiveness of sins that you talked about today. I've never really experienced that. Maybe you've been around church for years, uh, but never experienced the full release of your sins, the kind that brings victory into your life, it catapults you into a deeper knowledge of the living God. You'd like to open up to that. I would just encourage you, uh, say something to God like this. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that I can be forgiven. I open my heart. I receive your forgiveness. Lord, I want to I walk into your success. I want to move into those new seasons you have for me, so I'm open. I'm trusting. Uh, here I am, God. Uh, take me. Uh, make me a child of God. In your precious name, I pray. Amen.